What's up, everybody? This week, I talked to my new friend, Maya Brooks. She's an award-winning product manager, educator, speaker, and entrepreneur. Uh, she's got her hands full. She's currently the product manager at iFund Women, and we get into an amazing conversation about entrepreneurship and the grit that it takes to pursue your dreams. So let's go. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for checking out the Creators Therapy Podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with Maya Brooks. Maya is an award-winning product manager, educator, speaker, entrepreneur, cold brew enthusiast. She is currently the product manager at iFundWomen in a crowdfunding ecosystem for women-led businesses where she builds thoughtful and intuitive products and experiences to empower female founders. Uh, so Maya, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, DJ. I'm not sure that I've had such a wonderful introduction before. I loved, I love that. A cold <laughs> brew enthusiast, I think, needs to go inside of my bio. Like, Heck yes. Let's, I mean, I, we, we were just talking about this, right? Like it is, uh, it's not always just for the taste. It's, it's you know, 100% because that caffeine gets in you. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, um, Maya, I'm I'm super excited to get this conversation going. So, um, here at Creators Therapy, uh, you know that um, our stories hold our cure. So, tell the people a little bit about you, uh, your story, how you got to be product manager, iPhone women, some of your passions. Like, tell us about you. What's your origin story? Yeah. So, um, gosh, my origin story is long and winding. So I'm glad that we have so much time on this podcast to really <laughs> dig into it. But, yes. um, you know, for me, I, I grew up outside of Chicago. Um, I actually grew up kind of all over the Midwest. I moved quite a lot um, in my childhood. And I don't ever think actually that I went to the same school for more than a couple of years um, until high school. So I really kind of grew up um, always kind of transient, like definitely mm. exploring lots of different things. Didn't really feel like I had a quote unquote like home. Um, and, you know, this is not a, a knock on my parents or anything, but I definitely felt like, you know, what is home base? What's the thing that's going to make me feel like, okay, here's the plan and I know what I'm doing now and, and feeling kind of rooted in, um, in something that, that felt kind of permanent. So, mm -hmm. um, high school was the first place where I really got to spend a significant amount of time with the same people and really formulating a plan for what I felt like the future was going to be like. Mm. Um, and so in high school, I took my first like economics class, fell in love with it and decided, you know what, I'm going to do finance. Um, finance to me felt, you know, at the time, like super stable. This is what, you know, <laughs> adults do. Adults when they graduate, you know, high school or college, like get finance jobs. Like that is what adulting go. is. Yeah. Um, and so I, I ended up going to NYU here in New York. Um, and I've lived here ever since, but I started my career off in finance, um, partially because I loved it, but more, more so because I felt like it was such a solid, unquestionably like just good decision to make and that responsible adults make good decisions there you go. um and and at the time you know this was not too far out of the financial 
financial crisis, um, the 2008 financial crisis. And at the time I was really, you know, focused on, okay, how can I get myself up for future success? How do I make sure, you know, the economic kind of trauma that my family experienced doesn't happen to me later in life? I was yeah. supporting my parents actually financially for a little bit. So for me, I chose like the stable path. Um, and I think a lot of the rest of my kind of creative journey and my professional journey has been rooted in undoing that like stable path um, oh. and just becoming like very unstable, actually. Um, so I spent about four years of, of the beginning of my career in finance at a very well-known bank. And if you, you know, Google me, you'll find exactly where that was. Um, but I, I spent the first four years of my life um, or the first four years of my professional career in finance, doing the day in, day out, working long hours, working with incredible people um, and doing important work. But I did kind of feel like I was yearning for more creativity. I was looking for a little bit more room to color outside of the lines, something a little bit less structured. Hmm. I wanted to feel like I had a little bit more control kind of over my life and over, um, you know, what I, what I wanted to do in my future. I was really looking for more impact. Hmm. Um, and at a big organization, you know, when you're a small fish, and especially when you're when you're early in your career, your job is important, but your voice isn't necessarily that needed, right? Mm, you're kind yeah. of hired to do the job the person next to you is doing, and we all kind of do the same thing, and here's the formula, and this is how, you know, we follow the rules, and we get things done, and we close deals. Like, that was kind of um, the process that I was used to, to yeah. carrying out, and the further I got into my career, the more I just realized I want to do something that feels um, like it's really important for my voice to be in the room, right, or it's really, really impactful what I'm doing on a daily basis. So I started thinking about, okay, what would it look like if I just kind of like upended my entire life and quit this job? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I which mean, I you feel know. like every, yeah, I think every 20 something comes to a point in their life where they question that. Definitely, Definitely like at the, the quarter life crisis point. Um, and I can't speak to anyone who's had a, had a midlife crisis yet, but the quarter <laughs> life crisis hit me hard. It's real. Um, it's real. It really is. It really yeah. is real. So the quarter life crisis kind of hit me and I realized, okay, I need to do something. I got to make a change now. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought uh, at that time, and I think this was like probably 2017, maybe 2016, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to like start my own business. Um, and my friend and I, my best friend at the time and um, someone who I was also like living with, uh, my roommate, we had kind of struck up this idea around building an app in the nightlife space. And we were going to dig deep into this. I mean, we did surveys. We like, I was oh. reading the lean startup. <laughs> I was like making like, you know, like board presentations in my <laughs> living room and like putting post-it notes everywhere. It was quite the picture. I love it. I love um, it. And I was like learning to prototype and design like this app. And we were kind of like really digging into this path of like, okay, what would it look like if we started a business? Like, let's really take this thought exercise forward. 
Um, and when the workplace found out about it, they were obviously not really enthused. Ooh, not pleased, yeah. Not pleased. And I was transparent and upfront about it because I, you know, believe in transparency wholeheartedly. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of took it to took it to my big ups and said, hey, you know, I'm working on this side project, but I'm not going to let it interfere with my nine to five. And they were like, that's right. You're not going to let it interfere because you're not going to do that. (laughs) We'll make this easy for you. (laughs) We'll make it easy because you won't be doing that. Um, So I thought, okay, what can I do in the meantime while I kind of bide my time and figure out like what maybe my more permanent path might look like. Mm. Um, So I decided, okay, if I can't build this business right now, I'm going to get super technical. I'm going to become a software engineer. So I went down that path and I went to general assembly for about six months. I took a bunch of coding classes, thought I was going to be a front end web developer. I did some freelance work, all of that sort of stuff. So I dug deep into like this software engineering path and like really thought I was going to be a developer for a while. Um, After spending, you know, about like six to eight months learning how to code, I quickly kind of realized like I didn't want to be locked in the room with a computer all day. Like I really love talking to people and getting to know people and um, and understanding their problems and kind of being client facing. So I was like, gosh, what could, what combines these things? Um, and then I was lucky enough to meet someone who was like, you know what, I think you're talking about product management. And I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I think this might be a space for me. Um, nice. So I quit my job um, at, in finance uh, in 2018, kind of in search of this like product management role. And I have to say for anyone who's ever switched careers before, um, you'll know that especially if you're switching in such a major way, you're switching industries, you're switching job titles, like you're switching basically everything um, and undoing like the entire style of work that you've done previously. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult to get someone kind of to take a chance on you, um, especially with no experience. So um, I started looking at tons of startup roles I kind of started my own business in the interim so that I could kind of prove that I could be responsible for building out a product and building out a business and thinking everything through from end to end. Um, And I was lucky enough to about a year later get my position um, as a product manager at iFund Women, which at the time that I got hired was five people. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. And we're now a team of like 15. So it's, it's really been, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. The, I, first of all, um, you went, you went to finance, which is a very sexy industry into coding, which is just yet another sexy industry. Like these are, uh... I only like very sexy. Industries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that you, you kind of chose a route straight, like uh, straight coming out of high school. You, you chose a route that you felt was, this is what's going to give you the best security. Um, and you talked about just yeah. uh, some of the some of the spaces where there was you know there maybe wasn't enough room for creativity or flexibility or just being able to kind of uh, some some search some kind of soul searching for you. It was just kind of like this is your world. This is where you are now. Don't deviate from this from this place. Was there ever like did you ever have a, a space, especially like going to school for it, where you, where you thought like ah oh, yeah finance I, I can like where it became more of just more than like maybe a pragmatic decision and maybe like I could find some passion in here. Was there ever any of that? Yeah, there was definitely a little bit of passion in my 
decision to pick finance, you know, like I, I'll never say that I like hated that first job or anything. Yeah. I, I loved my first job. It was an incredible opportunity. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate enough to work in actually a really segmented and very niche part of the bank okay. um, where I really did kind of work with clients that were doing incredible work. I worked in the government, healthcare, higher ed and nonprofit space. Mm. So i have met with and like worked with some of the like greatest foundations in the country. I've worked with incredible healthcare systems in the country. Um, and so it was really cool to be a part of that, of that ecosystem, especially at such a young age. Um, and to kind of see like the inner workings of, of how um, finance plays a role in all of the institutions that, that do such great work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, uh, even whenever you were kind of developing your idea for an app, which, you know, we've all, I, I love that you, where you went to execute on that app, you actually thought of all the, all the, all the important stuff rather than like where I started with a couple of apps it was like, oh, well, I mean, what's the logo going to look like? Like, that's important. You know, I'm just trying <laughs> to like, I'm trying to pick the paint for the walls before I build the place. I think I read a statistic one time that talked about how there's 80% of college graduates end up in an industry different than what they went to school for, which is high. So, you know, that, that, that quarter life crisis thing that you're talking about, or just this like kind of a, this moment or these moments in our twenties when we go, I don't think I wanted to do the thing that I went to school for. Um, there's, there's definitely some panic there, but, but even what you were talking about, like, it's not that you hated your job. You just found that it didn't meet your criteria now. Like it, it yeah. you need a different, you, you need, you had different needs that, that this job just wasn't going to meet for you. And I think that's, that's one area where I talk to people and most is like, well, I don't hate my job, but I definitely want to switch industries. So what do I do? I'm like, yeah, we, we don't have to hate it right out of the bat. Yeah. Go for it. No, you don't. And it's a huge like leap of faith to take. I understand yeah. completely why it can be so scary. I was terrified, right? Like oh, I, sure. I was thinking like, and my, my family like didn't understand like my parents were like why are you gonna leave this job where you're getting paid like you know candidly almost like six figures like why are you leaving this job you know to go be uncertain and kind of in this like new tech space like at a startup like startups notoriously fail right 80 Mm. percent of them fail so it was definitely a, a leap of faith um but I, I highly encourage like anyone who's thinking about making that leap of faith to bet on themselves. I think it's, it's yeah. such a rewarding experience to kind of be able to be on your own and really realize like, okay, I have the stuff that it takes and I'm not going to give up. And eventually like the right thing is going to come my way. Like I'm going to work toward that thing, but the right thing will come um, toward me if I give it a little bit of time and when I got my job at iPhone Women, believe it or not, I was actually like two weeks away from not being able to pay my rent. Oof. <laughs> like, like it was, it was like a dire situation. Yeah. Like I, I, at that point was like, I need a job like tomorrow or I'm going to have to leave the city. I cannot afford to pay January rent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I got the job like right after New Year's day. There you go. That's definitely one thing that I love about the, uh, this podcast where we we get to talk about the the struggles not just the wins like it, it's great to talk about how we've succeeded or where we're at right now but like the struggles too like you know just going from how like where is my rent money going to come from or like uh, trying to figure out where to go like and just talking like i i really resonate personally with what you were saying with um it's difficult to find somebody to take 
take a chance on you. So whenever you're in the room and you're trying to convince somebody to take a chance on you, especially as you're stepping into this new industry, like what, what, what were some of the conversations that you had in that space? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, the first thing that I focused on and that I, I knew that I had to do because I didn't have any prior experience in product mm. was to get some experience in product. And this is something that I tell people when I coach them, this is something that like I firmly believe in. If you don't have the experience, create your own experience. Like I firmly believe in creating your own resume. Love it. Um, and sometimes that looks like, Hey, ask a friend if they're starting a startup, can you design for them? Can you make their product roadmap? Mm -hmm. Like, can you design, um, you know, specs for them? Can you do like product research for them? Can you do something for someone that will start to build this like life resume and experience for you? Mm -hmm. And that was something that I dove really deep into. So as soon as I knew that product was going to be the space, I basically reached out to anyone in the startup ecosystem that I knew who was starting something. And I was like, Hey, I, I'm going to be a product manager. Like I know go. what's going to happen. So I need you to give me a product to manage, like, <laughs> find me something. I will dig into it and I will do it pro bono. Um, and so I did do that. Um, I did it, I did it very heavily, but the other things I focused on were, um, you know, skills that were transferable or that were natural to me that I knew would fit well with product. Mm. Um, on paper, there's not a lot of transferable skills between finance and product management. Mm -hmm. But what I did know that I was really great at was communications, right? I knew I was really great at influencing a team. I knew I was really great at doing lots of targeted research and putting together data. Right. I knew I was really mm. great at some some specific kind of skills um, that kind of either came naturally to me or that I had picked up in my previous role. And so I was able to really speak to that when I was in a room with someone. Um, so that that really ended up helping. And then the third piece of advice that I would give is meet whoever is going to hire you out in person. I like can't mm. say this enough. I think a lot of us get bogged down with like applying online to all of these jobs and just kind of waiting to hear back or like trying to slide in someone's LinkedIn like messages. <laughs> and yeah, and I have to say like a lot of people don't really read their LinkedIn messages. There are rare occasions where I get like responses from people's mm. LinkedIn messages, but it's very rare. So yeah. for me, I kind of knew the, the importance of like showing my passion for the company and for the space and meeting that person. And it's actually really easy to stalk kind of like early stage, <laughs> early stage founders because they're always at events, at least, you know, pre-coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. They were always at events in the New York ecosystem. Um, and they would be tweeting about things and writing pieces and all of that sort of stuff. So I would basically mm -hmm. just kind of be like, okay, where is this founder going to be tonight where are other founders in the, the fintech space or other founders in like the edtech space going to be tonight um are they going to be at this tech event if so i'm going to be there and i'm going to meet them and i'm going to yeah. talk to them about how passionate i am about product management i'm going to talk to them about the most recent like medium article that they wrote and i'm going to convince them to hire me there and that has always really worked for me like meeting someone in person works 10 times better yeah. Um, than trying to slide into someone's like DMs cold or just sending them your resume and then trying to convince them that like you're better than all the other resumes that they've seen because people really do kind of hire based on like who they like. Yeah. So to yeah. get 
to get someone to like you, sometimes you have to show up in person and just kind of make yourself like known and, and unavoidable. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, like your uh, communication is a strength that you had. So you, you leaned into that strength and made sure that you were in front of them whenever you got to communicate and, you know, like match the name to face. This is, you know, and like, oh, I've had multiple positive experiences with her. Like, yes, we know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I am lucky that like communications and meeting people comes easy to me. I think it sure. was all of the years of moving um, that I had to like make new friends at every school. So I, I've become very comfortable just like walking up to someone mm -hmm. and talking to them about whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, or, you know, getting them to, to kind of like share knowledge with me or, or share feelings with me. So I, I, I get deep, like really fast with people. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I just feel like it's, it's so much better to create a connection based off vulnerability and, and empathy than it is to talk about kind of like small talk surfacey stuff. Um, so I always kind of also encourage people, like if you're going to have a conversation, like have a real conversation, don't Ooh. have like a surface level, like, you know, convo. Preaching right now. I love it. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're kind of transfer into the entrepreneurship sphere. Um, you said there's a, there's a, maybe some people, uh, including family members that were, that kind of like were confused by this move. Um, now I know that like New York, New York maybe may share, New York city may share some of this with LA where it's like, if you're not working on five or six different things, then like, are you actually trying? Like, are, are you really working? <laughs> so like, like that, that must've been a very different, like kind of culture for you as well. This on this entrepreneurship thing, like very Gary V like, Oh, F everything we're going to do it. You know, like, uh, rather than, I, I mean, I'm not too familiar with finance, but I would imagine that's that the language there, or at least the mindset is very different. So what was that shift into like? Yeah, I think for me, the mindset shift was mostly in like from something that felt really structured and safe to something mm -hmm. that's really just kind of like anyone's game, right? And like mm -hmm. very uncertain and kind of like anything could happen, which honestly is kind of a metaphor for New York City in itself. New York City <laughs> is such a, is such, not, not that it's not a safe place, but that it's yeah. very, it's very spontaneous. It's unpredictable. You turn one corner and like you think you're in one city and then you turn a second corner and it's like you're in a completely different location um and I love that about New York it's one of one of my favorite things about living in this city so for me like making the switch to entrepreneurship was a lot about kind of undoing a lot of the mindset that I had about mm. feeling safe or feeling um you know like I had a plan like I had to hit some milestone like I had to rush toward a finish line um like I wasn't doing enough if I wasn't you know kind of like a a high like viewed by other people as like a high powered you know woman with a job I felt very much like if I quit my job people would not like respect me anymore yeah um and so that was something I definitely had to work through I definitely had to work through a lot of that a lot of that feeling and and I 
was lucky enough to be able to afford therapy at the time. Um, oh man, and it's so true. A therapist to, to really help me. Yeah, I got a therapist yeah. to help me work through some of that stuff because it Love was it. very like deep seated ideas about like our self worth is tied to our jobs and if we're employed or not and if you know other people think we're successful or not and what does that look like and mm. so for me I had to break down a lot of that to be able to be successful in the entrepreneurship space because if you're in the entrepreneurship space and you're constantly worried about what other people are thinking of you you will not last long in the entrepreneurship space oh man yep got just yep so good so good you kind of have to grow some you have to like develop some grit I guess yeah in the entrepreneurship grit is 100% the right word yeah like you, you gotta, you gotta kind of lean into, lean into the struggle a little bit. Cause it's not, it's not a, I, it's not a, uh, my, my wife started her own business for a few years and, it, and I think she worked harder doing that than, than she did working for somebody else. And that was the whole thing, right? That's where people were like, Oh, I thought I was going to be working less. Like, no, you work like, <laughs> work like 10 times harder. This is, this is so yeah. much more difficult. Um, so in this space that you are in now, I fund women. Um, which is, uh, I amazing. Like the more I learn about iFundWomen, and the more I learn about the businesses that that have uh, benefited from iFundWomen, it's it's amazing. Um, Thank you. You're in this space now where your where your voice has an impact, and where uh, you get to, I would imagine you get to encourage a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in that in that in in your role as well. No. I do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a product manager, but I'm also a startup coach at iPhone women. And I, I teach a lot of the tech sessions. Very cool. um, so we have, we have on top of our um, crowdfunding ecosystem and startup funding system for women led businesses. We also offer coaching to mm. a lot of businesses. Um, and so people come to us with their problems, with their challenges, um, and we provide solutions and roadmaps and, and ways to kind of work through those challenges as people who've been there before, right? As people who've done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like on the, as a tech coach, um, I definitely get to counsel a lot of people through, you know, yeah. their early, through their earliest problems. I right. get to counsel people through, you know, okay, now I've raised all this money. What do I do with it? <laughs> Um, so I, I see a lot of, a lot of range of different types of businesses, but I'm always so proud of the work that we get to do. Yeah. That's so cool. The, and I would imagine like you, you, it's not like you're ignoring your finance background. Like you, you get to use some of that expertise in there comes in handy it definitely comes in it comes in handy i get to i've looked at a couple of financial models for um for customers and and it's been really great to be able to reuse that knowledge and i'm like okay now i remember this here's how you're supposed to set it up like here's what your sensitivity projection needs to look like and it's been it's been great to to reuse that knowledge yeah definitely is there is there a, uh, whenever you're, whenever you're coaching, whenever you're teaching, kind of working with some of these businesses is, is, uh, in these business women, is there a, a piece of your story that you always go back to, to kind of, you know, like here, I'm going to use my testimony to kind of help build you up in this, in this season? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure if there's something specifically from my testimony that I can, impart while I'm coaching, but the piece of information I think I give out most Mm -hmm. is if you are not talking to your customers often, or if you are afraid to talk to your customers, we have a problem. 
Mm. Um, and it was one of the things, you know, it's, it really is communication is everything. Um, mm -hmm. Even when you feel like you're building, like I'm building an app. So like, why do I need to talk to people? They're just going to like use the app. And I'm like, no, we need to talk to them still. Like we have to yeah, yeah. always need to be talking to our customers. You need to talk to your users. You need to ask them like, if they like the product, how are they using it? Like, mm -hmm. are they using it in the way that you even expect them to use it? Um, and so for me, like that's the piece of advice that I give the most is like, how often are you really communicating with your user base? And awesome. surprisingly, I hear still a lot that people are like really afraid to ask their users like if they like the product or they're afraid to kind of like bother them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I promise you, you won't be bothering them. And if you are bothering them, then they're not that in love with your product. Because right? <laughs> any product that, it's true, you know, any product that I'm in love with, like if the maker of like, you know, I have to say shamelessly that I'm like an Android user. Um, oh, so boy. I have a Samsung oh, phone. I know, I know. Everyone who's... <laughs> who's listening to this podcast is going to just like blame me in the comments. But, um, I, have, I have a Samsung um, and I have like a Galaxy like 10. So it's pretty recent, mm. but I've always loved Samsung's like Android technologies. I always have. And it's basically like having a Google phone because the whole thing is so integrated with all Google's platforms. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like if Samsung called tomorrow and said like, Hey, we need some user feedback. Would you participate? I would a hundred percent say yes. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I love the product so much and I've had such a great experience with it that I'm happy to give that feedback. Yeah. And so my, my piece of advice is always like, you gotta, gotta, gotta talk to your customers. If we're afraid to talk to our customers, we're never going to learn and mm -hmm. we're never going to get any valuable insights. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think uh, some of that fear is, uh, there's some vulnerability there when you, when you're asking for feedback, like you're, you're asking oh, people totally. to, to, uh, that don't know you, that don't have a personal connection with you at all. You're asking mm -hmm. them to like, just no holds barred. Give me your opinion on, on what yeah. I'm putting out here. And, <laughs> and you on? can't take it personally. You just have <laughs> right. to kind of like right. absorb the feedback. Um, as a product manager, I, I step into situations all the time where, you know, I'll tell people about I fund women or they've been working with us for a while and they know I'm the PM mm -hmm. and they'll say, actually, Maya, I have all this feedback. Like, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> and it's like a five minute complaint stream about all of the things that are wrong with the product with wrong with my product, right? That like yeah. I'm building and in charge of managing. Yeah. Um, and it is hard to hear. It's hard to hear a little bit. You're like, oh man, that hurts to like hear mm. that people are having a bad experience or it hurts to like hear that this thing that I thought was so helpful, like isn't helpful or people are confused. And I, I really had the best intentions when I built this. Um, mm. But you have to like really just divorce yourself from kind of taking it personally and just really yeah. hear your customer and hear the feedback they're giving and why they're giving it to you. And it's all in service of it being a better product, right? Otherwise yeah. they just wouldn't care. They would just leave you alone. Definitely. Definitely. You were, I, I love that you are not just a product manager, but you, you educate and you, and you're a freak. I mean, you speak frequently in front of, in front of people. We talked earlier about you finding your voice and, and wanting your voice to make an impact in, 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 in wanting what you have to say matter, which I think, I think a lot of people can resonate with that, especially uh, those of us who want to get to that, to that space where we, where we uh, are not just entrepreneurs, right? We're, we're CEOs or we're, we own our businesses or we are kind of, we're in a space where we, where we have some authority behind what we have to say. We want to be expertises in our field. 
can you kind of talk a little bit about, I know, I know you kind of, you've given us a, a lot of your story already. Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the obstacles in, in, in finding your voice? Was there anything that stuck out to you the most or was, is it just, how did you build that confidence up? How, how can you get in front of people all the time and talk? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I'm going to pivot it a, a little bit Do because it. my experience hasn't been, um, you know, it hasn't been a, a challenge for me to be confident on stage. I think like I have a little bit of natural like performance element in me. I was like there a theater go. kid in, in high school and, you know, I have always like loved to be on stage and I just kind of was like a natural performer. So that's something that like hasn't been as big of a challenge for me. Yeah. Which so what I, I will say, which theater, okay. sorry, theater, by the way, that was, that was how I got over my stage fright too, was just yeah. join theater, join one act play or whatever. And, and, that that just kind of like beat it out of you a little bit <laughs> it does it does because you can't freeze up like on stage people are yeah. depending on you so it really does build um it builds a really strong foundation for public speaking yeah definitely. um and i i really like i approach everything as just like this is a conversation right it's mm. an open moment for us to for us mm. to learn and communicate mm -hmm. um so i think taking it less seriously has also really helped you um you know to be natural on stage mm -hmm. but i think for me, the biggest challenge that I kind of had stepping into a room as a person in tech now and, and not in finance, not that I didn't experience this in finance, but when I step into a room in technology, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a black person in technology. Mm, I'm yeah. also a woman in technology. I'm also someone who like has a little bit of coding experience. I don't consider myself a developer any, anymore, sure. but I do consider myself like someone who can code and is, is like a little bit dangerous enough with what I do know. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I experienced quite early on was like, I would go to these tech conferences or like these developer conferences, especially, um, you know, developer industry conferences mm -hmm. and people would constantly be like, Oh, so what are, you know, what are you here for? Like, are you in marketing? And I'd be like, no, I'm a developer. And they'd be like, Oh, really? And I'd be like, yes, really? With like one eyebrow raise. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And people would start questioning me like, well, what's the last, you know, like project that you worked on and what's the last like Git repo that you pushed and X, Y, Z. And they would like try to quiz me on my knowledge, uh. um, which I didn't really see happen to a lot of the other people in the room. Yeah. And I did feel, and I, I actually wrote a piece on this like a while back in 2018, but it does feel extremely, um, you know, like you're not taken seriously in a room yeah. when you walk in. Yeah. Lucky for me, I have thick skin so I did not let that affect me like it like it deters other people I know that it definitely like leaves a mark and kind of deters other people from speaking up or mm. from you know joining those those events or joining those conferences at all or submitting their topic for like a panel right for me mm. like I've I have built such thick skin that I'm like yeah whatever you'll hear what I have to say when I'm on stage later um so I have like <laughs> very little just like little f's to give about yeah. about what anyone else thinks at this point but but I did experience that coming into the space and that was kind of a new um a new experience for me because I I really honestly like luckily for me didn't experience that much of, of that kind of like doubt um, in the finance industry, which I feel like, you know, people think of as like generally more male dominated or, 
um, you know, definitely doesn't, doesn't have a lot of people of color. Sure. Um, and especially not black people, but I, I feel like the, the, the judgment I experienced in tech was 10 times, 10 times more palatable. Yeah. So thick skin, obviously is a huge asset in, in situations like that. Um, but again, that's a, that is a, that's one of those gifts that's, that's just kind of fire, fire earned. Like you, you gotta kind of, you gotta, you gotta kind of get it. Uh, it's, it's not it an is. overnight thing. It's a, it is a, it's not an overnight thing, yeah. but I, I have to credit like my parents who did an incredible job mm. when my sister and I were younger, um, of like really telling us that like we were worth something and we were valuable mm. people and our ideas and thoughts were like meaningful and that like we were put here to do something Love like it. we got that speech from a very young age and I really do think like it made a difference because we didn't grow up hearing like no one cares about your thoughts or opinions right mm-hmm. um, and I know like some people like didn't get that speech from their parents and it's been really hard for them to break out of like that mold right like to yeah. to really like believe like oh like i guess my thoughts and opinions are are like necessary and i like deserve to be here and we we kind of um my mother kind of knew from a very young age like how important it was to tell especially girls um you yes. know from a young age that like it's important for you to use your voice and here's how we're going to do it yeah 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 no yeah, absolutely the uh i mean first of all you hear that parents like let's go you know let's, <laughs> like, how are we building up our kids today yes um, it's not too early to start like start from like day one just right? tell that kid that they are worth something absolutely. it really does go a long way absolutely and and you know especially in this entrepreneurship field well any field when you're when you're younger when you're on when you're on your way up it can be very easy, very tempting to believe that like, uh, what I've developed or what I'm trying to build or my first business idea, it, it, it's crap. So therefore I'm crap. And, and like, Mm -hmm. it takes a huge toll on your identity and, and tries to, tries to break you more than make you. I mean, you kind of like just the entrepreneurship kind of feel the the reason there is so much grit is because it's, you know, we will not let this thing you know, take us out. Mm-hmm. Like it's got, it's got to be the thing to get there. So that is so cool though. The, I mean, come on parents, let's go, let's, let's raise up, let's raise <laughs> up some peoples. You know what I mean? Parents, we're calling, we're calling you out. We're, we're Bil- calling you, we're calling you in. You can Build do them. it. Parents. Yeah, that's right. Build them up, build them up. Here's, here's one. Cause I, I want to challenge the people that are listening to this. You don't feel like you've made it. Like you still, you still have, you you still got things you're trying to get accomplished. Oh yeah. I'm just starting. I have not made it at all. Yeah. Like let's, let's let that sink in for a second. Like we're, we're, the journey ain't done. Like we're, we're still on, on the way. The journey's Um, just beginning. I've only been in this job for gosh, a year and a half, a Mm. year and a half. So yeah, I have much more to do. Yeah. Yeah. You got, I'm, I'm sure you have ideas on ideas on ideas about what, what things are going to look like, um, (laughs) or, or how you're going to help transform iPhone women or, or maybe even step out on your own. I don't know. Do you, do you still, are you, are you, uh, is there, is there somewhere on the, on the vision board or, or, or the journal and here's, here's a business that Maya's going to start. Is there a business with your name on it? Possibly. I'll never say never. So, you know, in the future, if you, if you see my 
name in a in like five more years you'll you'll know I love um, it. but i don't have any i don't have any current plans but you never okay. say never yeah absolutely absolutely um tell us more about iphone women if i if i'm a if i'm a female entrepreneur i'm trying to get my business up and going what what how can iphone women help me other than fund me yeah that's a great question so um, iPhone Women is the go-to marketplace for women-led business and the people who want to fund them. So we help women-led startups in a variety of ways. Um, the first is that we connect you to capital. We do that by crowdfunding. So um, similar to other crowdfunding platforms, you come on iPhone Women, you start up a campaign, um, and we give you the tools, the resources, the playbook, like the method that you need to use in order to be successful at your crowdfunding campaign. We're mm -hmm. basically crowdfunding experts. We've done it like over and over and over and over again. And there is a proven formula for success. Um, and we have it. So when startups come on our platform, we give them all the tools that they need to be successful at crowdfunding. So that's how um, we help them raise capital. The other way that we help startups raise capital is through grants. We have a number of grant programs, not only that IFN Women kind of gives, you know, on, out of our pocket and out of our, our, our money um, and our revenue stream, but we also broker grants on behalf of our entrepreneurs with uh, corporate partners um, like Unilever, Visa, Adidas, the financial gym, um, the list kind of goes on and on, gingerbread mm. capital, the list kind of goes on and on. And so we, we work with those corporate partners to give grants um, to our iPhone women audience and to people who, who qualify for the criteria. Most recently, we've launched another program with Visa, who's giving away 10 $10,000 grants and a year of free coaching on iPhone women. Um, so if you're a shameless, shameless plug, Do it. if plug you it. are, if you are um, looking for a grant and you are a black owned women owned startup, um, go to iphonewomen.com slash visa to apply um, for that grant. Uh, it's a great opportunity and they, the application is closing at the end of the month. Okay. Um, so you have time, but definitely time. go ahead and, and apply for that, for that grant program. So that's one of the, uh, the other ways that we help support startups in the ecosystem. We know how important it is to kind of have cash in the bank, like money in your pocket today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, we start there as well. Um, I mentioned a little bit about our coaching program and that I am a, a, coach, a coach on iPhone Women. Yeah. Um, and we have several options for receiving private coaching on our platform. Um, some people come to our platform and they need help just for a couple of months to get through a tough period or through a specific challenge. Other people have come to our platform and they're like, we need you all the time as basically our next team member, right? Or like our <laughs> alternate team member. Um, and so we have options um, for that type of entrepreneur as well who wants a little bit more hands-on support. Um, so cool. we have private coaching that we offer to our startups um, on all types of topics, right? Like business coaching, product coaching. It could be things like how to monetize your startup. It could be intro to Google Analytics. It could be how to build an MVP, right? Um, so we oh, kind nice. of do all of those different sessions. So if a startup needs help or if an entrepreneur just needs someone to bounce ideas off, right? Um, yeah. Especially for our solo founders. We see a lot of people like just in business for themselves, right? And they started it up 
just a team of one. And a team of one is really, really hard to sustain after oh, a while. Yeah. And you start to feel like you're in an echo chamber where you're speaking to the walls about your business. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we kind of help, we kind of help entrepreneurs avoid speaking to the wall and we allow them to speak to us so that they, um, they can get a little bit more perspective and, and difference of opinion. Um, so we have, we have that coaching program. And then we also have uh, a Slack community, a private Slack community of entrepreneurs um, where we make, you know, connections between those entrepreneurs. There's about 6,000 women in there right now um, who are, you know, making connections, they're networking, they're hiring each other, they're partnering up. Um, and it's just a great space to, to be. So overall, the iPhone Women ecosystem is really for an entrepreneur at any stage. There's something for everyone mm. in the iPhone Women uh, landscape. And, and I'm, I'm really happy to help you to be building it. That's, that's awesome. So uh, can you go there, not just for funding, but can you go there just for the coaching? Yes, of course. There yeah. you go. See, no excuses, people. All right. Like, no, excuses. I, got, I got your resource <laughs> right here. We're uh, coaching through the pandemic. So if you need like a coronavirus pivot and you're like, oh, I don't know you. what to do now that my business is closed because of coronavirus, like <laughs> we have pivot sessions. So we do it. We do it all. I love it. I love it. Just start making face masks and t-shirts. I think that's what a lot of YouTubers are doing. We so. have had a lot of people make face masks. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah yes. There you go. And I mean, we've had a lot of people like pivot their communities into digital communities and we've yeah. seen people like make really innovative decisions on like serving their community in a new way. So I won't get super deep on that, but, but yeah, it's been kind of incredible to watch yeah. businesses transform over the past few months. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, um, I mean, I am a huge fan of iPhone women. I'm a huge fan of Maya Brooks. Thank you so much for being on this show, Maya. This is, uh, man, such an awesome conversation. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank um, you for having me, DJ. I'm so like, I'm so honored to have been, to have been on this podcast and oh, man, to have met no. you and had such a great combo. No, man, the honor is mine. Um, Maya, how can the Creators Therapy family keep following along with your story? How, how can we stay connected with you? Of course, of course. Um, if you want to stay connected with me, the best place to find me is likely through my email, actually. Um, I'm very responsive on email, uh, and I'm at a startup, so my email is just Maya, my first name, M-A-Y-A, at iPhoneWomen.com. Again, that's Maya, M-A-Y-A, at iPhoneWomen.com. So if you want to get in touch with me, email me. Um, it's also, uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter at Maya, M-A-Y-A, Noel, N-O-E-L-L-E, the number one. Um, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm going to get more engaged. I mostly like have been tweeting just about work stuff, but I also am an avid fan of The Bachelor. So you're going to be seeing oh, me tweet about, <laughs> about Bachelor Nation stuff very soon. <laughs> I love it. And we're, we're going to have all those links down in the, in the, in the notes below. So uh, hit her up. If you've got questions, if you're a woman and you're an entrepreneur, hit her up, hit up iPhone women. Um, they're an amazing, amazing resource. Yes. Uh, again, slide into our DMS slide into, slide into our Instagram yes. DMS. I swear we answer. Oh, yeah. There's a real person on the other line who answers all of the DMS. That's right. So slide right. into our DMS at iPhone uh, women. I love it. You mentioned LinkedIn earlier. I was like, I totally forgot that I had a LinkedIn until I got an email about it the other day. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. It's, I've, I've got one of those. 
<laughs> so, um, as always, uh, this is Creators Therapy. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you've got, any, uh, if you want to learn more about Creators Therapy, you can go to our website, thecreatorstherapy.com, or check us out on YouTube. Uh, we're also on Instagram, and I'll plug my own stuff later on. So, uh, again, Maya, thank you so much for uh, for being a part of the conversation. This is uh, this has been just awesome. So, thank you so much. Well, there you have it, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out the latest edition of the Creators Therapy Podcast. If you want to learn more about Creators Therapy, you can check us out at thecreatorstherapy.com. And if you want to learn more about iFundWomen, go to iFundWomen.com. Again, all those links will be in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.